Good morning, Redeemer. Welcome again in Jesus' name. So good having you here with us. It's great to be able to hear your voices greeting each other in the Lord. Now the Lord wants to speak to you directly from His Word that He's kept across the ages, inspired by His Spirit for you. Bryant talked to us in the beginning as we opened about this amazing story of the Gospel in and through the church, the continued works of Jesus through His apostles, through His whole church in the early days, a work that continues in our day. And this is a story today about the church going to the next level, another of these pivoting points with the churches breaking out and growing. Here there are new structures established for ministry. Here there are new people groups, a whole group of priests from the old world come and believe in the new gospel of Jesus that fulfills all that the old had and more. Here is a time where the church is breaking out again, going to the next level. Let's hear and consider God's Word to us. Acts 6, beginning in verse 1. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the Word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Oh, dear Christ, thank you for the progress of your gospel across the ages from a promise of your coming Jesus to Adam and Eve of the rainbow in the sky that said, Father, you would never destroy the earth again by flood to Noah and his family, to the promises to Abraham that though he was childless, he would have generations after him, as many as the stars in the heavens and the sand on the seashore, those who believed as he did by faith. You, you, you made promises to David to take him from a sheepfold to the kingship, and yet you said to him, there's an even greater, fuller kingship coming for the whole world, and one of your sons, David, will be a far greater king than you are. And then these apostles and these first believers saw it all realized in fullness. They saw you, Jesus, living and dying and rising again. They saw the gospel break out and turn the world upside down in the first centuries. And now it has come to us. Thank you for the ways that your gospel has gone next level in your church across space and time, the way that it is flourishing like we've never seen it before in the Southern Hemisphere and in Asia now. 
Thank You, O Lord. May You come again here to us and do wonders here. Don't pass by our part of the world, Holy Spirit. Please help our church, even here, Redeemer San Antonio, be renewed and go next level with the Gospel. Next level with You, O Christ. We pray it all by Your name and for Your name's sake. Amen. You may be seated. <coughs> I was chatting with a friend this week that, that had the privilege to speak to 6,000 high school students at a conference, and I thought, wow, I've never spoken to 6,000 people at once. And what I thought about, what's the largest group I've ever spoke to at one time? And it was actually at my high school graduation, Lakeland Senior High School, class of 1980. I gave one of the speeches there that night uh, to several thousand people, and it was horrendous. Like, my speech was horrible. It was this rod about how we were seniors and going into the new world, like the space program, and we were breaking through life's inertia to new heights, and we would go to the moon and beyond, and blah, blah, blah. It was terrible. I'm making it sound a lot better than it was. I got lost completely in the middle of it. Like I stared at the audience for like 30 seconds. Like I just didn't even know where I was. It was horrible. Um, but it did remind me also that, you know, when you, when you have a high school graduation, and I'm seeing a couple of our, our graduates here, and, um, you know, it's, it's a space in which you're thinking, well, whatever I'm going to do next, the military, vocational school, starting a job, going on to college, taking a gap year, and wandering and studying and pondering, or some combination of all that, what you're asking yourself, right, as a high school graduate is, can I go to the next level? How am I going to do it life as it opens up and breaks out and things go next level? You hear that kind of language everywhere, right? You, you, you see it on your favorite shows, your food shows, your baking shows. My daughter's here. She got me onto the British baking show. You know, you see all that stuff and you think, I got to take my culinary game to the next level, right? You know, you see it in Los Angeles, especially where we lived for three years on all the billboards. You need to take your viewing life on streaming or on still mainline TV to the next level. See this next great show, right? If you do watch some of those, right? a sporting event or something, you're going to hear about what you need to be doing with your financial life. You're, you're planning to take things to the next level and on and on and on it goes. If you're a sports fan, right, you hear about your team's plans to go next level this season ahead. But maybe a better question to ask is how can the church go next level? How can a local congregation like ours, like the early church in Jerusalem, really by God's Spirit be taken to the next level? This text sort of points out for us four aspects of going next level with Jesus in the life of His church. And the first of these is really interesting, isn't it? That a next level church does complaint well, does complaint well. You read that right. You heard that right. Think about where our story starts is the church is growing and burgeoning in those days where the church is being multiplied and added to the number, Luke says, a complaint arose. You've got these Hellenists. Who are the Hellenists? They are either Jewish people who've been scattered by persecution across the Mediterranean world, and they've come back to celebrate Pentecost in Jerusalem, and they got touched by the Jesus gospel, 
and this outbreak of the Spirit, and they've stayed there in Jerusalem. And they're sort of Greek people who are Jews who've now become Christians, and they're these Hellenized Christians. Or they really could be people that weren't Jewish at all, right, originally. They're Greek people, you know, and they come into the Jewish faith, and now they're hearing about Jesus as the true way, the true truth, the true life. In any case, there's this group that is sort of much more Greek, right? And they're saying, you're not taking care of the widows among us who are in need daily. You're taking care, apostles, of your people, those who are more directly Jewish and Hebrew people who've become Christians, but you're not concerned about this broader set of people in need. They do complaint well. You know, um, I, I, Oscar being up here did such a great job holding his baby now in the back, multitasking today. I remember when I was a youth minister like Oscar, and we took every summer our youth group in Gulfport, Mississippi, uh, to a mission trip. And we went with a group called World Servants. And World Servants would make you wear these T-shirts on these trips every day. And, and the servant, and, and on the back it would say, you can't make it tough enough for me to complain. That's a nice thing to take with you and to see in front of you constantly on each other's backs when it's a group of youth and volunteers and youth staff in a cross-cultural encounter when you want to be whiny and cranky. You can't make it tough enough for me to complain. That was a good motto. Problem is in real life, right, over time, that doesn't work, right? Because <laughs> there's a lot of complaining. And there's a lot that actually needs to get complained about in the life of the church. You know, you can't have a good marriage unless you know how to complain and work through hard things together. You can't have a good church without that. But, but watch how they do this here, right? How they do it well. Right? It's not the widows themselves who are doing the complaining. It's those around them saying, hey, these people are in need and they're not getting cared for. They're not whining about the color of the church carpet, you know, or the brand of coffee out there, or what times the services start, or stuff like that, right? They're talking about a core application of the gospel for others around them, caring for the poor, the widow, the alien and the stranger in need, a first application of the gospel. It's a central issue that is brought on behalf of others with humility and love. And note how the leaders receive the complaint with humility. They don't brush it aside. They don't say, you know, we've got an elders meeting coming up in three months. We'll get back to you. You know, they immediately take it in and process it, and together bring this before the Lord, and they take action. They do complaint well. And that's so important. This whole story, right? This whole next level kind of thing here starts with doing complaint well. If they can't do complaint well, then these widows don't get cared for well. These priests don't begin to believe. There isn't this, as Bryant talked about when we started, this bifurcation, right? of word and deed ministry, these first elders and pastors and these first deacons, none of this happens without starting by doing complaint well in a gospel way. One of the things I've loved about Redeemer, you know, being sort of coming in these last nine months, and this week was my 
first full-time week really all on the job here. Um, one of the things I love is that Tom Gibbs did such an amazing job of creating spaces where honest communication could occur, where feedback loops could occur within leaders and within the congregation as a whole. I pray that we can keep building on that and growing that and where those lanes may have been clogged in any way, that we can open those back up because that's crucial for us. There may be things on your heart that are core to life in the gospel. Somebody, a group came to dinner at our house actually this past week where Fran made an amazing dinner and we had a small group and we prayed together about a number of things and folks going on the mission trip this week. And, and one person just stayed back for a second and said, hey, Paul, I just want you to know I don't think anybody has visited this person and this couple who are in need in a really long time. And I think they really need a visit. And I said, thank you so much for telling me that. Thank you for bringing that. And I was able the very next day to go with a church leader and go and visit and connect with them. That's doing complaint well. If you're a member here, You've taken a vow. You took vows to say, I'm a sinner in need of the grace of Christ. Jesus alone can save me. I'm in utter dependence on the Holy Spirit to live as his follower. I'm committing to give my best to the worship and work of the church. And I promise to study the worship and work of the church and to promote its purity and its peace in submission to the leaders. We need you to bring godly complaint forward with love and with the hope of the church flourishing around core issues. We've got to do complaint well. Secondly, notice, if the church is going next level right with Jesus, it does diversity well. You may hear that and go, well, I'm a person that needs to see more diversity in a place like this and I don't, or you may be the kind of person that hears the word diversity and you bristle, right? Because you feel like the world presses the concept of diversity down upon us all the time. I'm not talking about what the world says inclusion is or equity is or diversification is. I'm not talking about the world's version of DEI. I'm talking about the gospel's call to us to be the diverse people of Jesus in the world. What did Jesus talk about when he preached the gospel? He talked about all the nations coming in, about the church growing from this tiny little mustard seed to becoming the largest bush in the garden that all kinds of birds of the air could come perch in its branches and find rest and shade. He was leaning back on Ezekiel's prophecy where God said to Israel of old, you're my people, I'm going to grow you up as my tree, and I'm going to give room for all the birds of the air, which are the nations of the earth, to come find rest in your shade. What we are called to do is to be putting out branches, room for all kinds of people to find Jesus and experience His grace and his love. Did you hear? Let's do a little quiz. And I, I failed it in the first service. I'm going to fail it again. Can you name the deacons listed here? This first group of deacons, these proto deacons. 
I can only name two, and I've been reading this story my entire life. Okay, Stephen is the one who will become, we'll see next week, a martyr for his faith, a bold preacher of the gospel. And Philip, right, leads this powerful revival in Samaria, and that God uses him and calls him to go on a desert road and bring the gospel to the Ethiopian eunuch in his chariot. I can't name any of the other five of the guys. And I preached this sermon just an hour ago, right? Let me read them their names to you again. Who are these people? Stephen, full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. Those other five names, they're Greek names. I don't think, I'm, I'm no expert in early church missiology or sociology, I don't think five-sevenths of the early church in Jerusalem was Hellenist. But God, by His Spirit, led the people to say, we want to get ready for a greater diversity among us. We want to get ready for this gospel to break out of the whole Jewish structure as a whole and break out into the whole world where Jew and Gentile can come together. So they're creating branches with this leadership structure. Here at Redeemer, we're saying we want to be a church for all of San Antonio. We want to become more open and full of people from the Latino community being a part of us in other communities, black and Asian and other communities being a part of us rather than just an Anglo community. And I love the diversity that is here. But we have so far to go with that. And we need to pray, not just in our leadership, but in every part of our church. Lord, where are the branches we can put up by your Spirit's leading to make room for more kinds of people to come and find shade here with us and to teach us about how we can be open and reach out to all kinds of people in this city and in this world. That's how we go next level. Doing complaint well, doing diversity well. Thirdly, doing balance well. Doing balance well. I, I apologize for this in the first service. I told two baseball stories in the first service. I'm only telling one here, so, you know, just one. Uh, but it is July, and there's not a lot else to talk about, right? But, um, you know, uh, most of you like the Astros. I get that. But the Texas Rangers are having this amazing season, and they have risen up from nowhere to be uh, first place in the American League West, second best record in all of the American League. And it's interesting, if you go do a deeper dive underneath the Rangers season, what you discover is on the main metrics on offense – so batting average on base percentage, slugging percentage, runs scored, all these things, right? The deeper metrics. The Rangers have the number one offense in the American League. Surprisingly, the Rangers also have the number one defense in the American League in terms of pitching and runs saved and all the defensive metrics combined. If you play ball well on both sides, not just at the plate, but out in the field, pitching and catching and throwing, right, good things are going to happen. We'll see if the Rangers can 
carried all the way through. And you don't need to greet me in the back and tell me, you know, that you're an Astros fan. It's okay. All right. It's okay. It still applies, right? We'll see. But the point is this. To flourish is the church. We've got to play on both ends of the field. In our part of the church, Presbyterians as a whole, and particularly the Presbyterian church in America, we love to do word ministry. We love to think of more ways to preach to you and teach you and get you to read books and study things. And that's great. But there's this whole other side of the game that's about deed ministry. Jesus Christ was mighty in word and deed. His church is to be mighty in word and deed. And this complaint rising up, handled with humility and grace, with this outward-facing openness to diversity in the gospel way, allows them to begin to be powerful in word and deed together. The apostles say, we're going to devote ourselves to prayer and preaching, but this is crucial, and raise up these new leaders to lead us as a whole in being merciful people to those among us and out in the world. Literally, the gospel takes over the Mediterranean world in the first 300 years after this story. Literally, until 325, it becomes, you know, with Constantine's conversion, it becomes like this global phenomenon that is literally taken over the whole Roman world. You know how that happens? Yes, powerful preaching. Yes, bold declaration of the risen Christ. But it is also because Christians powerfully ministered indeed. As it was said of them, they shared their tables and their purses with everyone and their beds with no one but their spouses. They were holy by God's grace and they were rich in mercy and grace indeed. We are going to seek here to become stronger and stronger. This Redeemer has a rich history of serving the city. We have a great group of deacons to lead us. <coughs> but we need to keep growing. Our deacons are not there just to do all of this for us and us to clap and cheer. They are there to lead all of us into spaces of gospel deed ministry. Just, just let me do one more point, one more little illustration here and we move on. I got to hear when I was head of our denomination's home mission or mission in North America. I got to be a part of a little group that heard this amazing presentation. Leaders from all over evangelical groups in the U.S. And this gentleman spoke to us. James Chung is his name. And he's high level of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship globally. He's a vice president for evangelism. And he's a trained sociologist, got a doctor in sociology and a doctor in missiology. He's brilliant. And he just talks about the underlying kind of meta questions that different generations in North America have been asking. The, 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 you know, the, the boomer generations were asking, what is truth? Give me the truth. Well, we were good at that in, in our part of the church. We'll preach to you. We'll preach powerful sermons from God's truth. We'll give you deeper truths and theological summaries like the Westminster Confession of Faith. And we can do truth. We can truth you. Right, The next group down, kind of the group that I was riding the line between Boomer and Buster, Gen X, the Gen Xers were saying, well, truth is good. Yeah, but 
Give me authenticity. What's authentic? What's real? I think our part of the church has done okay with that too, with groups, you know, for men and women to talk about how we're really doing the whole development of community group structure like we have here, like we want to keep growing to be authentic with real and each other, recovery groups and special needs groups in the life of our church for special splashes of brokenness or addictions or sexuality or other spaces, right? We've done well there and we need to keep growing there. But he said, do you know what millennials are asking? And you millennials here can correct me. If I'm wrong, you think I'm, I haven't had somebody correct me yet on this. He said, millennials are asking not so much what is true or not so much what is authentic, what works. Show me something that is real and that works. If we are going to be a church who blesses you millennials who are here and that God uses us to reach to millennials in San Antonio and beyond, it has to be with deed ministry being core to that. Interestingly, he said, what is the Gen Z group asking? What's the iGen group? It's literally lived their whole lives in a digital world. Not so much what's true, not so much what's authentic, not so much what works, but what's beautiful. What is really substantive and beautiful and lasting? Indeed, ministry is so crucial there. We've got to be balanced, Redeemer. You're not here just to listen to a sermon. You're here to be powerful in Jesus Christ, in knowing His Word, and living it out in deeds of justice and mercy. That The church that's next level is what? Is doing complaint well, is doing diversity well, is doing balance well. Lastly, gives ministry away well. It just stuns me here. These apostles, they've been through so much. There's so much upheaval. <coughs> Excuse me. I kind of like my coughing. <coughs> There's uh, amazing upheaval, right? I think the Holy Spirit wants you to hear this. Get us to pause. The early church is, uh, is just so powerfully moving, and yet the, the leaders have this wisdom and this grace and this humility to say, you know what? There's stuff that has to happen here that's going to be beyond us. We are not going to micromanage this. We are not going to try to control this. We're not even going to try to control the process. You go pray. You ask the Spirit. You ask the Spirit to raise up who you think God is having lead this whole new second side to the church. Give it away. If you're a pastor or an elder or a deacon here or a church leader here, I want you to hear this. Our job is not so much to do ministry here is to consider how God would have us give it away. If you are a member here, not in those other categories, your privilege is to pick it up and take it and run with it. I'd love for you to ponder. I know we don't have community groups running in the summer. Ponder on your own. Ponder in your families. Ponder in your friend groups. If you go out and eat with a friend today, a roommate, whatever, 
where does God want me to pick up a new thread of ministry? Where is the Lord handing me the baton to go forward as ministry is given away to me in Jesus' name? Now, that's what it looks like. How will that happen? How can that happen for us? As we are worshiping Jesus, as we are humbled before Him and leaning into His strength, as we, like those first apostles, urged, as we are praying for the Holy Spirit to empower us and fill us and take us to the next level. It will always be us saying, Lord, Your strength in our weakness. Holy Spirit, You come and move and take us next level and may whole new groups of people like these priests who must have thought, wow, the poor are really being reached now. Widows are really being cared for now. This is a group that really is preparing to take the good news to the whole world. I, I want to believe in that. As the Spirit is moving, may whole new groups of people say, I want to come and find life in Jesus here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your gospel and word. Thank you for your gospel that we get to partake of in sacraments. Thank you for your gospel indeed that we get to carry forward and out in the name of Jesus. Would you come, Holy Spirit, here today and fill us in this place, please? Please move. I pray for any who are yet to believe, who are like maybe those priests were processing this and thinking, well, if the church could be like this, I'd really like to be part of it. Lord, draw them in today. Bring them into your number. May the church go next level in all these ways, Lord, here, even with us. We pray in your name. Amen.